Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the New Hampshire Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana, and today we're doing something a little bit different um, because it's that time every four years we get to talk about politics a little bit. <laughs> so today I have Michelle McCartney. Um, you know her from a few podcasts she's done on the, part, on the show with me before. Uh, today she's here as the she's running for a state rep for District 15 of the Republican Party of Merrimack County. Yes. Yep, correct. <laughs> All right, so for those of you who haven't seen any of our podcasts before, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's talk about your politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously this will be a little bit different because we're talking about politics. Yeah. Um, but I am running for state rep, and I kind of want to start it off with um, really the reason why I started running, because one of the big things is you don't really see a lot of women in politics. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially the Republican Party, right? The Republican Party is like known as like anti-women or something. But really, like the big thing to me was when you have children, all of a sudden politics become relevant. And I think that this is important to talk about because there are a lot of people out there who don't want to look at politics. They say, oh, that's the conversation we don't want to have. You know, and I think it's important to have that conversation because when you're talking about politics, that's society, that's culture, that's the family that you're, you know, that's the world that your kids are going to live in. Yeah. And it's important. And so, especially in today's culture, I've seen a huge turn for what I consider to be the worst. And it's kind of prompted me to get involved. So I live in Concord. And in Concord, there's this tiny little Ward 6 which is District 15, and it's like the tiniest little section of Concord. So mm -hmm. if you're in that ward, vote for me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> basically, you know, I was sitting there and all these things were happening, and the district that I'm in is very blue. It's very Democrat. There wasn't even going to be any Republicans running. And in fact, the Democrats have a huge advantage just because it's blue. And basically what that means is it's an area where people tend to vote Democrat without really looking at the candidates, they just vote Democrat because it's Democrat. Yeah. And so Republicans tend to have a very hard time there. And so I decided, I said, you know what, I'm just going to run. We'll do it and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, where we're at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but that whole, there, there's a lot of issues that are coming up that I think it's really important that people have a say in. And so my biggest goal is to really reach out and say, who are the people who are not really being represented yeah. and what are they looking for? You know, and maybe there's a conversation we need to have around that. If maybe it's, you know, policies that people don't agree on, you know, but that conversation has to happen because it's not happening right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of pushback on, you know, certain sides that are kind of, if you say that, you know, you're a horrible person or like you're not allowed to have opposing views. And I yeah. think that's a very dangerous precedent that we're we're putting forward now. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I totally agree with you. Um, there is there's never a time where you're not allowed to have a different point of view on th something. Mm -hmm. If you say whatever it is, you're mm -hmm. like, you don't get to have an opinion. There's no opinion you're allowed to have. Well, one, you're a fool. Yeah. <laughs> um, because you can't change everything if you're not allowed different points of view. That, mm -hmm. That's absurd. I hate that argument. It's the worst. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, see, yeah, like I was saying. So, <laughs> you have to have different point of views because you have to have fresh insight. If you don't have fresh insight from fresh eyes, how are you ever going to change anything? That's absurd to say you want to change things yeah. and then not allow fresh points, points of view, right? Um, so, I think that's always been a problem in politics is 
two things for, um, from me. I know mm-hmm. this isn't really your campaign here, but... <laughs> no, but it all helps because I'm yeah. supposed to be representing the people. Yeah, so exactly. the more I hear... <clears throat> so know. it's uh, un- the unwillingness to admit when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Because politics, in general, they have this habit of saying... Okay, we're going to do this to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that didn't fix the problem. Let's legislate <laughs> something else to fix the problem. How about, how about we just remove the thing that didn't work and start again from there? Yeah. You know? But they can't do that. They can't ever admit they were wrong. They did something wrong. One, that's a problem, but it's politics. Mm-hmm. Still a problem. Yeah. Um, and then again, like you're saying, no fresh points of view. Like, mm-hmm. there are, I will say, the Democratic Party has a problem with, um, if you don't follow their doctrine exactly, mm-hmm. they have issues. Um, they won't. They won't even hear your point of view, and I'm like, yeah. "Well, that's that's absurd." <laughs> exactly. Because you want. So this is a problem with. This is the problem and the benefit of the Libertarian Party mm-hmm. is everyone has a vastly different point of view, mm-hmm. and that's good. You have a lot of people, with a lot of points of view, a lot of dialogue going on about how to improve things, and at the same time, they don't have that strict line, so they're mm-hmm. not a very formidable party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, that's enough for my yes. politics. Uh, so let's talk a little <laughs> bit about what I like about state politics. And the reason mm-hmm. why on the New Hampshire Business Show I'll talk politics every once in a while is um, everyone loves to talk national politics mm-hmm. where state politics actually affect you more. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's supposed to be that way. The problem that it isn't is an issue, personally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there are, there are always issues that at a state level mm-hmm. affect us more. So you want to talk a little bit about... Um, I guess the Republican platform, your platform, why are you running for District 15? Yeah. So there's a couple things that actually came to mind uh, during, you know, what you were just saying. And I think there's a couple things, especially when you're talking about people needing to admit when they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And two things hugely popped into my brain. And so one of them is I'm a huge advocate for health freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe people should be able to make their own health choices and there should be no coercion. And coercion can be anything between you're not allowed in schools, you need this to have this job. Those are all forms of coercion. Mm -hmm. And so there is um, one of the things that came to mind is there's something called the New Hampshire Vaccine Association. Mm -hmm. So basically it's a board, it's a committee in New Hampshire, and a lot of people don't even know that it exists. And essentially what it does is it orders vaccines from the CDC and it distributes them throughout the state. It's all taxpayer funded. So by the way, like our taxes pay for vaccines, whether or not you're receiving them. And um, what this this uh, at vaccine association was supposed to do was create a state registry. They were given, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like, you know, a million dollars or a couple million dollars to create the state registry. Yeah. Well couple year, a few years later, we're like, oh, wait, they never did it. Like, there's no state registry. What's going on? And they basically couldn't even account for what happened to the money. So the money's just gone. No transparency because they're not telling us what happened. And there's no accountability because there's no, like, slap on the wrist for it. So what they did was they said, well, but we need more money because now we're going to do the state registry. And so, obviously, we need money because we don't have any of those millions of dollars you gave us before. So um, they all signed it. And gave them more money. Now they've racked up, I think it's like over $4 million now Mm -hmm. that they've racked up, which is all taxpayer dollars, to go to the state registry, which is a opt-out registry, by the way. So once it goes into effect, they send out information to the doctor's offices who basically says, give us all your, you know, immunization records from all your patients. The doctor at that point can decide whether or not they want to do that or whether or not they want to notify their patients and say, hey, do you want to opt out of this? 
How many of them do you really think are going to notify their patients to opt out? Probably very slim. Yeah, because so, when that situation <laughs> you're running up against, do a waste of time and money to go mm-hmm. through that process or to say, oh, it's a state board. Exactly. Trust the state. So it's unfortunate because there's a lot of people who view that as a health violation, you know, mm-hmm. like a privacy violation. They don't want their information going to the state and being kept in some state, you know, registration. Because mm-hmm. it's not opt-in, which I think would make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. It's opt-out. And so there's a lot of conversation about how to go about that. And, you know, it's just really unfortunate. And again, like you were talking about when people mess up, it's like they had millions of dollars. They, who knows what they did with it. Then they needed more, and we just signed it over like, all right, fine, let's just do it. At what point are people going to sit there and say, you need to be held liable for what you're doing? Yeah. You know, and so that's something I'm very passionate about, too. I believe that that committee has basically, it's no longer serving its function. Um, to be honest with you, there's absolutely no bi- you know, unbiased party that's mm-hmm. on the committee board. Um, I've sat in and listened, and I've part, you know, been a part of like the community part of that yep. um, for a couple of years now. So I've been watching it. I kind of see how it works, and there's absolutely no unbiased opinion in that in that room. Mm-hmm. So it's really unfortunate that that's here, but that's right here in New Hampshire. And I think that's one of the things that people don't realize is that's taxpayer dollars. So if you don't agree with, you know, an infant being given a STD shot. <laughs> Which they do. That's the the hepatitis B is. Mm-hmm. You know, your taxpayers are still paying for it whether or not you agree with it. So I always, you know, my one of my biggest platforms also is lower taxes. Mm-hmm. I don't believe we should be, you know, raising taxes. And I believe that the most we can lower it, the better. And I believe in, you know, looking through the budgets and seeing where we can take budget cuts to figure out what else we need to do with the mm-hmm. state. There's no reason why we should be raising taxes at all. Yeah. So... Th- now we can jump into the, this area. This is always a fun conversation to have yeah. because taxes, for whatever reason, people have this <laughs> like stranglehold on the word and the concept. They're like, you have to pay taxes. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to mm-hmm. do all this crazy stuff, right? Um, but, you know, once you establish the organization, it's very hard to take money from it. Mm-hmm. So you have people who are now, they now have a job because it's taxpayer funded yeah. or whatever. And they're like, oh, we don't want to give up our departments. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, but this is always what we get into when we start talking politics mm-hmm. is everyone's like, oh, where are you going to take the money from? You're going to take it from the children or you're going <laughs> to take it from, you know, <sighs> the old people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the, the taxes a little bit and um, Maybe not where you could take money from because it's hard to get into that without looking at the books and being mm-hmm. like, well, you don't need this. This is absurd. But maybe your tax platform in general. Talk a little bit about it. Yeah. So I think a lot of that depends on, you know, and again, it's hard to make those determinations yep. when you don't have the books in front of mm-hmm. you. Um, but for instance, like we were just talking about the New Hampshire Vaccine Association. And it's like, okay, if you want to do it that way. Why are we bringing in more money to a organization that clearly is not doing what they need to do? Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's things like that where it's like, OK, if we need a state registry for the vaccines, then maybe we should be reforming that you know organization to make it so that they'll actually create the registry that they said that they were going to do. And so we're not spending millions and millions of dollars. Which, by the way, this was voted on, I think, last year, and they still haven't created the registry as far as I'm concerned. There's been no movement on it. Yeah. So who knows? We might end up giving them more in another couple of years, you know. And to me, like, that's a huge waste of money. 
Yeah. Like they shouldn't, they should have first sat there and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Here's how much, this is our projection as to how much money we need, you know, and then get started. Like <laughs> there's no reason why we should have to keep giving them money for something that they're not doing. And so I think it's really holding things accountable for what they're doing and what they're not doing, looking at that transparency and saying, where is the money really going? Can we change things? So right now, obviously, a lot of there's a huge issue right now with um, public schools yep. because the public schools have not been the buildings themselves have not been open. Mm -hmm. And so what you're finding is these parents are starting to get a little annoyed because they're saying, well, I'm paying all this money in property taxes because New Hampshire, we don't have income tax. We don't have sales yep. tax. They get all their money for property taxes, meals and board taxes in other ways. And so. When you're looking at these parents who are saying, I'm spending a fortune in property taxes every year and the schools aren't doing their job, you know, or like I have a kid with an IEP. The schools are required to perform certain services for kids with IEP as long as they're enrolled in public school. Well, they're not. And so and you're still paying taxes. They're still getting paid. And my husband was a plumber and um, recently switched careers, but at the beginning of the coronavirus thing, he was going into these public schools and switching out water heaters, you know, updating like all their appliances. Yeah. So they're still spending the money. Yeah. You know, nobody's there, but you know, they're not doing their job properly, you know, but the money's still going. And so, you know, don't get me wrong. There are some kids who are excelling with the remote learning. Maybe they were being bullied in school. And so this is giving them an opportunity to, you know, excel, but that's a very, very small percentage. The most of the conversations that I've been having are kids with IEPs who are severely struggling, kids who were very social, are very struggling with depression and anxiety now. There's a lot of, you know, downsides to them not opening. And so, again, a lot of that is, okay, if you're not going to open, what do we need to do? Because yeah. we need to look at that budget and we need to figure out what's going to make the most financial sense. Mm -hmm. And go with that. So my biggest platform when you're looking at taxes is you need to look at each of those organizations. And they're always money, you know, <laughs> money grubbing. Yeah. They want all the money because then they can, well, exactly. you know, I mean, do what they when do. When the coronavirus hit mm -hmm. um, and they they put everyone out of school for a little bit, mm -hmm. like the first thing they did was they're like, we need more money for unexpected yep. expenditures. For laptops, like, for kids no one's who don't school. have them. And, like, yeah. like, the way... Again, this goes back to what we're talking about with taxes. Mm -hmm. The way politicians handle money is mm -hmm. absurd. Mm -hmm. And that comes uh, generally from the outside. That's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as a, as a bookkeeper yourself. Yes. You know. <laughs> I was just about to say, I am a bookkeeper. <laughs> and so I do think that that does kind of give me a little bit of an advantage mm -hmm. to be able to sit there and look at something and say, that's kind of like, that's not industry standard. Yeah. That's a little higher than you should be. Why? You know, and, you know, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, competency. That's my biggest thing. I believe in free market. I believe like that's to me is the height of competency, mm -hmm. because if something's not working properly, then people have the choice to take their business elsewhere. And I think the problem is when you look at state run institutions that use tax dollars is they don't have that issue because they get paid no matter how poor they're running yeah. or how great they're running. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when they're running poorly, they say, we need more money. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of this self-fulfilling yeah. loop of incompetency. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, the worse we do, the more we get paid, so let's just do a bad job at everything. Right, exactly. Yeah. When yeah. We should be rewarding positive behavior. Yeah, yeah. but that's, yeah, so 
can kind of see where I fall <laughs> on a lot of these issues. So I don't mean to keep prodding in different areas, but no, no, I. Yeah. <clears throat> so now that we're talking about schools, mm-hmm. schools and a lot of things in how do I word this? Unions. <laughs> so I. <laughs> yeah. The problem with these political conversations is there are some things that are just like the kiss of death, where they instantly mm-hmm. you're going to get a lot of hate for even talking about them. Mm-hmm. Again, my point of view is you have to have these conversations. If I bring something up and you just can't even talk about it, you probably shouldn't be in politics. I'm yeah. Talking, I'm talking to a very specific party right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of hate, sorry. But <clears throat> having said that, yeah. just for putting an R in your name, people are going to hate you regardless. Oh, absolutely. So let's have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Unions. The school union. Coronavirus has brought out some very interesting issues with... Mm-hmm. The unions. <laughs> you want to get a little bit into your policies as far as dealing with them. I don't know how much that's dealt with at the state level because I'm not in state politics too, too much. Um, yeah. You want to talk a little bit? Because I know it does. Do we go back to school? Do we not? Now you have the union saying we're not. And the politicians are like, no, you are. You kind of have are. to. Yeah, like, so, that's your job. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that, you know, and it, again, it depends because you don't know somebody's personal life. Mm-hmm. You don't know if they've got you know, some sort of super elderly person that they, you know, live with and they're looking out for that person. You don't know if they work in a nursing home, you know, or if they themselves are immune compromised. You don't know. Mm -hmm. So I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But when the vast majority of people are sitting there and deciding that the world is unsafe, you know, over the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. I absolutely, that's the most ridiculous thing to me. Yeah. So I've been active in the Reopen New Hampshire group um, since the conception of it, um, I've gone to all the different rallies. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I have not worn a mask. My family doesn't wear a mask. We have been perfectly fine, but you know what? We're healthy people. And so for us, the statistical, you know, chance of having any sort of a complication if we were to get it is so, so slim that I'm not concerned because quite frankly, the flu would be more deadly for us than the coronavirus is. Um, So when you're looking at those different types of things, and then you're finding out that the New Hampshire Teachers Union is basically stating that we are going to fight any efforts to reopen the schools, you have to think, are they politically minded? Is this all political ploy? Or is this actually for the better for the children and the teachers involved? And it has to be a political ploy. And I say that because all of the data we have, and at this point in time, we have a pretty significant amount of data to make educated decisions on this. It's not like this thing just came out. We've been tracking it for like almost a year now. Yeah. So, you know, we have enough information and we know that children are the least affected. We know that, in fact, children are so unaffected, it's like 0.02% of complications in, you know, children, in school-aged children. And so we know that they can get over this rather quickly. We know that they're fine. We know that there hasn't really been any cases of asymptomatic trans, you know, transmission. And that's a whole other conversation if we want to get into that about the whole asymptomatic transmission theory. You know, but, you know, there's so much information we have now that we have to make decisions that are not based on fear, but are based on science. And when we look at the science, I do think it's important to give people, you know, the choice I think that, you know, if you have teachers who are in that kind of, you know, immune compromised or they're in those, you know, 
comorbidities is what they call it, Mm -hmm. then I think that they should have the choice to sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to kind of step back for a little bit and I'm going to quit my job and hopefully I'll be able to find another job when I feel comfortable going out in the public. Or they can sit there and say, I'd like to opt in to do one of those remote classes for, you know, kids who are maybe part of that comorbidity or have family members who are parents who don't feel comfortable sending their kids to school. I believe in school choice. I believe in educational choice. And I believe in freedom. So I believe that people should have those choices. What I don't believe in is shutting down all of the schools and saying we're not going to open no matter what parents and children need because of reasons we can't really outline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because like I said that's always been a thing. And I don't want to get too, too much into the well, – I, I, yeah. I do a ton of politics. But the coronavirus is kind of an outlier when it comes to yeah. all this stuff. But it is going to be heavy when it comes to time for the mm-hmm. your elections. Mm-hmm. So it, it is – Okay, talk about those. Um, <clears throat> I don't think, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not getting too much, too much on that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the what did I want to school choice. Yeah. You mentioned school choice. This is mm-hmm. definitely an area where it comes up a lot, mm-hmm. especially in New Hampshire, where I think they turn it down a bunch of times or something. I, I forget the mm-hmm. all the politics there because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what school choice is, mm-hmm. and then kind of your feeling on that one. Yeah, so in New Hampshire, charter schools are actually typically a part of the public school system. So there's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, just look at charter schools if you don't want public schools. But they kind of go by a lot of the same rules and regulations that the public schools do. Um, But I think it's important that parents have that choice to be able to send their kids wherever they want. So whether it's the public school system, whether it's a charter school, whether it's a private school, whether it's homeschooling, I think that those options should be heavily available for all you know, families. So homeschooling in New Hampshire is actually very easy to do. All you have to do, and I will talk about it just because of everything Mm -hmm. that's going on right now. I think it's important that parents know. So to homeschool your children, if you decide not to send them back to school with all the different provisions that they have going on in the remote learning, all you have to do is basically send a letter to the school district, which is called the letter of intent. And you basically state your kids, you know, first, last name, date of birth, you know, just some basic information so they can identify them. And you just basically state, I'm homeschooling them. I'm pulling them out of the school district. So when you do that every single year, all you have to do is basically give them a test to let them know where they are, or they can do like an evaluation from a certified teacher. So there are a few different options. I highly recommend there's a group out there called the Granite State Home Educators Group. And they're absolutely amazing because they kind of go through, like, the laws, the regulations about homeschooling in New Hampshire. And we are very fortunate that New Hampshire is very homeschool friendly. So it's incredibly easy to get your kids pulled out of school. It's incredibly easy. There's a lot of freedom involved. You don't have to use a specific curriculum. So I think that that's really great. And I really try to advocate for that because, again, especially when you're in a situation right now where the public school system is making choices that, quite frankly, a lot of the parents don't agree with. It's important to know what your options are, you know. Yeah. So as far as New Hampshire politics go, mm-hmm. um, are school choice kind of an area that's fought over a lot? Do you know? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. So I will tell you, I mean, this is my first time I'm yeah. running. I'm not, it's not like I have a history of being in politics. This is my first year running. I'm still learning a lot. But mm-hmm. from what I've seen, school choice is, um, it tends to be more of a Republican thing. A lot of Republicans put that as, you know, part of their platform. Um, but it seems to be something that like in New Hampshire, we're pretty, you know, it's pretty easy so far. So I don't think there's a whole lot of discussion about it at this point. All right. Yeah. Cause I know at the national level, this comes up a lot. Yeah. And 
there's a very, not to get too, too much into national politics, mm-hmm. but there is a very big platform to get rid of homeschooling, mm-hmm. get rid of school choice, and everything has to be public school, which I think is a, mm-hmm. well, it's not my opinion. <laughs> but, um, all right, so let's get on to another one that's pretty big as far as politics go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to save the fun one for last. Um, so <laughs> okay. let's talk, um, not taxes, uh, minimum wage. Minimum, minimum wage laws. <laughs> Yes, this is a fun one because a lot of people get very hyped up about it. Yes. Um, I fully believe, and again, I'm a huge fan of rewarding competence, right? And so I don't believe in raising the minimum wage Mm -hmm. at all. And there's a few different reasons for that. One of them is because most jobs that pay minimum wage are not careers. They're quick jobs. Mm -hmm. And we should be rewarding skills and competence. And so I once had somebody who, um, they came to me and they were, you know, arguing about the difference between labor and skilled labor. And that skilled labor was just a word to get those people paid more. Mm -hmm. And that like drove me up a wall because my husband was a plumber. Mm -hmm. He went to school for four years, paid a lot of money, you know, not as much as like, you know, a college, but we paid a lot of money out of pocket for him to do that. And, you know, you pay all this money, you go to school for four years, you take these exams, you get a license, and if you mess up, you they remove your license, you can go to jail. Like, there's a lot of, you know, downside to that. Yeah. Whereas you can be a drywaller, <laughs> you know, you don't go to school, you don't really pay anything for an education, there's really no consequences to what you do if you mess up or if you do a horrible job, you know, and they're going to get paid minimum wage, whereas this person's going to get paid a reasonable living wage. Mm-hmm. And so... When you're looking at the two of those, it's easy to sit there and say, well, they both do hard work, so they should both be paid the same amount. And that's just not the case because there's a difference in liability, right? This one has a lot more liability, a lot more riding on their shoulders. They have to go out and test every two years to keep their license current. You know, there's a lot more to it. And you're paying money to do that. You pay money to keep your license, and these licenses aren't cheap, you know, Um, whereas this one doesn't really have any of that. And so... No, I don't think that minimum wage should be increased. I think that you get paid based on the amount of effort you put in, the amount of skills that you bring forth. You know, if you're going to get a promotion, it's because you earned it, not because, you know, you demanded more money. Like, you know, that's that's kind of the general mentality that I have. And so I struggle when people sit there and say, well, everybody should earn a living wage. And it's like, well, that's true. But if you want a living wage, then you should go out and learn a skill that's marketable. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so <laughs> we do agree quite a bit on this. Okay. I, I know we do. Uh, I'm still going to pick at the argument a little bit. Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. You know, why not? Um, so one of the one of the big things that comes up mm-hmm. when we talk about you know raising minimum wages and all that stuff. So <clears throat> how, how how do I always wear this? Sorry, I'm trying to. No, that's okay. Understand their arguments too. <laughs> yeah. So you go out like you said. You know, mm-hmm. situations happen where you can't get a better paying job Mm -hmm. you don't have the skills you know so they want you know even those people Mm -hmm. you know the people who don't have the the plumbing degrees and all Mm -hmm. that stuff to be able to have a living wage yeah you know so where you where where you fall on again bad situations where people like they don't have those skills Mm -hmm. so all they can get is a job at mcdonald's or whatever yeah so again i do think there's a lot of opportunity to get skill sets 
Mm-hmm. Um, especially in today's day and age where it's like we're in the age of information. Yeah. And there's another conversation that I think is important to have where a lot of people don't realize that right now our current standard of living is significantly better than it has ever been in the history of mankind. And so when people sit there and say, this is how much money I need to survive, my question mm-hmm. is always, well, what do you need to survive? Because you sure as heck don't need internet. You sure as heck don't need that flat screen TV. Yeah. You probably don't even need that fancy, you know, Verizon phone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that you can cut back on. I literally call up all of my providers and all of my bills every single October and I negotiate them <laughs> because I'm not going to pay more than I have to, you know, and that's something that I do. And I think that's something that everybody should do. And so my biggest question is when people are sitting there and saying, and again, situations happen and I completely understand that. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come off as very, um, I guess, not caring, but it's not that way at all. Mm-hmm. It's just things happen, life is hard, and it's hard for everybody whether or not you make more money or not. There are obviously some things that are going to be easier the more money you make, but life is just hard in general. And there's going to be times in life where it's very easy. And there's going to be times in life where, like, you're sitting there saying, how am I going to pay my next bill? You know, um, just a couple years ago, my husband and I were living in an apartment where literally, while I was pregnant with my daughter, I had to take baths because my shower would squirt out scalding hot water. And I was afraid, seriously, and I was afraid that I was, if I jumped out of the water while pregnant, what if I slipped and fell and, you know, something horrible happened? So I literally took baths my entire pregnancy because I was so scared, (laughs) you know, but it's like, those are the sacrifices that people make, you know, to live. And again, when I talk about where we're at now versus where we've been at in the history of mankind, Mm -hmm. like our standard of living now is so coddled. You can get away with living, you know, even if you've got, you know, a couple kids, a single mom and a couple kids in a studio apartment. Yeah, that's going to be cramped. Yeah, that's going to be difficult, but it's doable. Mm. And I think that's where I think that's where our society needs to get to is our idea of doable is more aligned with what's comfortable. And that's not exactly true. Yeah. And I think that instead of focusing on sitting there and telling people you deserve a comfortable lifestyle, you should just, you know, get paid that for not learning anything. Instead, we should be sitting there and saying, "Look, you're getting by, you're doing a good job. What are some things that you can do to build yourself to get into a better job? What are some things that you can do? Maybe it's something as simple as, okay, you're getting by and you're fine and you're working at McDonald's and you're doing that. What are some other skill sets you have? Can you build a business with it and do your own thing? Can you, you know, do make a little extra money on the side, you know, maybe running an in-home daycare? Like there's so many things. If people just put their minds to it, you can figure out ways to make extra money. You can figure out ways to cut costs. And I think that's more valuable to talk to people about than saying, let's just raise the minimum wage. Don't worry about inflation. Don't worry about, you know, McDonald's, you know, automizing all of their systems because they can't afford to pay people all this money. You know, we don't worry about that. Let's just do it. Like there's so much more that goes into the minimum wage that people don't realize. And that's important to recognize that Every action has a consequence. And instead of just doing what's comfortable and easy, quote unquote easy, we really need to think about it and say, okay, this action is going to have a lot of consequences that are really going to come back and bite us in the butt and really basically ruin all the things we were trying to accomplish. So instead, 
let's focus on building these people up and, you know, maybe getting rid of some, you know, doing some extra tax break for businesses so people have an opportunity to open businesses. Maybe we need to, you know, take away some licensing regulations for dumb things like a lemonade stand, you know, like (laughs) just like things like that where it's, okay, what do we, what can we do to make it easier for people to find work? I think that's what we should be focusing on. Okay. So let's get a little bit into the the background of this. So New Mm -hmm. Hampshire's uh, minimum wage is seven twenty-five. If I remember correctly. Yeah, it's. I think it's on board with uh, the national. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I think I'm trying to remember because New Hampshire doesn't I believe have seven twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. seven twenty-five because we matched the oh. government's minimum wage. Yeah, which is the national minimum board. wage. Yeah. Cool. So this is this is always a fun conversation because I said you and I agree on this. Yeah. Pretty much down <laughs> to you, right? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not doing a very good job picking at with their <laughs> arguments, so I'll just use my own. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so seven twenty-five. And mm-hmm. what people often go about is that's all they look at. They look at 725, boom, they're mm-hmm. done. And they're like, oh, it's the, one of the lowest minimum wages around, especially in New England. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, okay. But I don't know of any. I'm sure there probably are some. Mm-hmm. Do you know any businesses that actually pay 725 as a minimum wage? Not that I can think of, honestly. I, I'm sure there are some. I, I don't know yeah. where they are. But so... This is my one of my biggest arguments for minimum wage. And I know this is your, your yeah. podcast, but we're just talking now. So I'm no, no, you're it. fine. <laughs> 725 is a minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Most businesses, I rarely run into one that doesn't pay at least 10. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes nine. I've seen those, especially in like movie theaters for mm-hmm. people just starting out. But for the most part, if you're not making around 10, like mm-hmm. Dairy Queen offers $10 an hour. Yeah. You know, something like that. So that's always been one of the biggest arguments is if you let the free market do its thing. Mm-hmm it will grow past any of the federal regulations, mm-hmm. you know, or any of the regulations to begin with. Yeah. So now you'll have, again, like I said, it's seven we're like 2 $3 over that easy mm-hmm. just yeah. for, just on the free market alone. Yeah. And then the natural argument that I always get in return when I bring this up is, well, if it's already higher than that, why not just move it anyway? And I'm like, well, because there's differences. Yeah. So I've had some different jobs in the past. And one of the first ones I ever had was I worked at PetSmart. And this was about six years ago or so. So it was a while ago. I mean, I don't know what their you know pay rates are now. It's probably a little higher now just due to inflation, right? But at the time, I was getting paid about eight twenty-five an hour. So that's pretty low. Um, I didn't really care because I was like, it's my first job. It's I was expecting minimum wage because, again, that's what people always tell you is you're going to get paid minimum wage and it's going to be crappy. You know, but I got a little bit more, so I was happy. And um, I did 825. Honestly, I loved it. I literally, like, there were some days where I literally got paid to, like, play with people's dogs. So, yeah. like, I loved it. But um, but after that, I did have a couple jobs where the rate was the 725 an hour, but it was sales. So that was like your yep. base rate, but then you also got a commission on top of it. And so, you know, again, I think if they were to raise the minimum wage, and again, it is different because there are like, you know, waitresses and stuff where they get below minimum wage, but they make all their money in tips. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. And I do think that that does complicate things a little bit because if you don't report your tips, you know, depending on how you do it, it kind of messes if you need to file for unemployment, stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, but that's, you know, someone's personal, how they do it. Um, but generally speaking, if you're looking at, you know, raising the minimum wage, now, in my opinion, that would probably mess up a lot of the sales positions where you have a base rate and then you have a commission. You know, they might turn to, like, either all commission or something along those lines. 
Um, but a lot of like what you're seeing now is all these different states that are raising these minimum wages. You're like right after that big push happened to you know get those minimum wages raised a couple years ago. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're coming out with these automation systems. So now there's a number of different, you know, McDonald's, Burger Kings, things like that, where they have like little robots in there flipping burgers, you know, putting everything together. And then someone's at the window grabbing it and going. And so those are jobs lost. You know, those are people who could have been making a minimum wage and now they're not because we pushed it to make the minimum wage higher. You know, and again, I was... um, Panera started doing a little bit of an automation system too. You go up to the counter, there's like these little things you put in the order and then the people behind the counter make it and you go pick it up. You don't even talk to somebody at the cashier in some of these places now. So again, those are jobs. Those are people who could have had jobs that now don't. And so that's my biggest argument is we don't, you know, when you sit there and say, we'll just raise it to whatever it is now, we don't really know just because the jobs you've ran into were higher, you know, jobs I've ran into were higher. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know what I mean? Because you don't know what kind of jobs are out there that are paying less. Mm -hmm. And that minimum wage, like I said, that's really just a starting point. You, your goal should not be, I'm just going to work minimum wage for the rest of my life and be content. I believe that personally, people should always be striving to become better, learn new skills. You know, you should be a completely different person by the time you're 30 than when you were in high school. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Well, yeah. And personal responsibility is one of those things that's removed from a lot of platforms. Mm -hmm. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about having arguments that are kind of callous. Mm -hmm. They're kind of supposed to be. You know, certain parties say science is everything. Science, science, science. Mm -hmm. Well, science is pretty callous. Yeah, And and how it deals with things. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, but politics need to be loving. And Mm -hmm. no, there is a little bit of callousness to it. Yeah. You can't. This is my... This has always been my argument for under regulation and over mm-hmm. is minimum wage, right? Mm-hmm. So say we're in one of the biggest black swan events in history, right? Mm-hmm. Coronavirus comes in, bam, wipes out most of the economy. Yeah. You know, no one could see that. Yeah. <laughs> they see that coming. <laughs> so now we're in a place where <clears throat> businesses have pretty much collapsed. Mm-hmm. And if they want to get going again, it's not like when the economy is booming. They can't be like, yeah, we're going to pay $15 an hour. Yeah. So now all of those places that lost all of those businesses have to hire at a rate that the economy can't sustain anymore, mm-hmm. in, in theory. Yeah. I don't know the full numbers on these things, but that's just my understanding. Yeah. So now, say Massachusetts, it I forget what the minimum wage is there, but let's just pretend it's 15, right? Yeah. So now you have all these businesses who are gone, who all these new businesses are going to come into place. Mm-hmm. But now they have a huge barrier. Mm-hmm. They have to get over that fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah. Where if it was seven twenty five in New Hampshire, maybe in the short term, maybe for the next couple of years, yeah, businesses are paying seven twenty five because mm-hmm. the economy is not there anymore. Yeah. But at least they could put jobs on yeah. the table for seven twenty five. So you, the problem with politics is it doesn't adjust for what's actually going on in the times. Mm-hmm. And it just. Because, like you said, they can't pull back on things because it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They kind of did for the coronavirus. They were like, oh, temporarily we're suspending all these things. And I'm like, yeah. Didn't need those to begin with then. <laughs> so that's yeah. always been, you know, my take on a lot of this stuff is you can't have a one-size-fits-all for life because it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And politics, especially with certain platforms, they always just assume things are always going in one direction. I'm like, that's not... It's not yeah. life. That's not true. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no, and I agree 100%, you know, and 
part of it too is there's you know the free market which yeah. basically says hey whatever businesses are the best are going to succeed mm-hmm. and the ones that are the worst are going to go out of business yeah. and it's kind of the same thing when it comes to businesses because if you have say a Burger King and a McDonald's and I'm just using them because it's easy examples mm-hmm. but a Burger King and a McDonald's and the Burger King is hiring for you know $11 an hour to flip a burger and this one's hiring for $7.25 to flip a burger mm-hmm. where do you think people are going to apply to? You know, it's Mm -hmm. really when people are looking for jobs, they're looking for, generally speaking, the highest paid job that they can do with the skills that they have. Mm -hmm. And so I think, again, that kind of comes back to why a lot of the businesses, you know, they naturally pay a little bit more because there is a little bit of a competition in there, too, for them. You know, people are not going to apply to them if it's a difficult job that doesn't pay well. (laughs) Like, they're not going to get workers, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and that's it. It should be up to the business to decide that, not some politician who's never worked a single day for anybody, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I know we're getting on almost like 50 minutes here. That's okay. Um, I like <laughs> Yeah, we can do this all day. That's the problem with politics is yeah. just go and go and go. I expected so the politician one to be yeah, a little yeah. bit longer. <laughs> so let's get into one of the more fun ones that is mm-hmm. always on top of every debate, and that's guns. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is the one that no matter where you are in the country, no matter what time, this is going to come up and it comes up quite a bit. Yeah. So let's talk about your views on guns and the state as far as gun regulations and laws. So I will open by saying New Hampshire is one of the most gun-friendly states Mm -hmm. in the country. And I would definitely vow to keep it that way. I 100% believe in the Second Amendment. I believe everybody should have the right to own guns. I don't even believe in the red flag, you know, stuff. I think that that, some of that's ridiculous. Um, You know, in my opinion, I think that you know, everybody should have the opportunity to go out and arm themselves, whether it's for protection, whether it's for hunting, whatever it is they want to do. That's their freedom to choose that. And I also think a lot of that has to do with if you have a criminal and they've decided that they want to go to a school shooting, that was a big hot topic for a while, you know, even if they don't have access to a gun, they're going to find access to a gun. Mm -hmm. Like, even if they can't go through the channels to get one, they're going to still find a way to get one. They always do. Yeah. And so sitting there and saying that stricter gun laws are going to stop that, I think is just being naive. It's not because historically that's not been the case. And so another, you know, interesting concept is you have two schools. One of them has teachers who are armed and trained properly in how to use them and how to safely use them and store them. You have another one who is a gun-free zone. There's absolutely no guns on campus. You know, besides, like, the school security guard who's going around. I don't even know if they carry guns, honestly. (laughs) But I would assume so. You know, and you have a person who's, I'm going to go in and shoot up a school, right? Which one are they going to go to? Well, obviously, they're going to go to the one where they can do the most damage without getting hurt, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so that's my biggest thing. I think an armed population is a safer population because you can protect yourself from somebody who's intending to do harm. Yeah. And there was another great example of um, this church. I think it was a couple of years ago, went viral. But there was a church, and I forget what state it was in now that I'm thinking about it. But somebody came in as an active shooter to take out a church. They came in, started shooting, everybody ducked. Somebody in that church was armed, knew how to use it, literally stood up and shot the shooter. Nobody was hurt except for the shooter. <laughs> like, yeah. that's amazing, <laughs> you know? Why, like, you know, when you sit here and you learn about, you know, 
like actual gun laws and how they work and you know you have all these people who are like well active shooters we should just get rid of guns it's like those all happened in gun-free zones Mm -hmm. like can we be like logical about it you know (laughs) as you know i was in the military yeah it's the concept of a soft target soft target versus a hard target okay because you know when you find a hard target they're better enforced they have more Mm -hmm. weapons they're situationally set up to be able to engage and you're like Mm -hmm. "Eh, you know if you want to attack that place Mm -hmm. you need more firepower and you're probably going to take casualties yep so just on that level they're like probably not going to attack that it's too much work yep soft targets generally don't have any protection Mm -hmm. so the softer the target the more you're like okay you know there's no there's not gonna be anyone there that can defend themselves yeah and you'd be like and you go towards mm-hmm. soft targets. Yep. And this is this this is the argument you were just making about. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you have two places and one of them you're like, I know half the people in there have guns and the other one there's nobody that's going to stop me, I'm going there. Right, exactly. And yeah. that's common sense to me. Yeah. And, you know, and it's the same concept as, you know, what do they always say? They always say, you know, to keep out a, a burglar from your home, you know, have a ADT rep come to your house or whatever the security system reps are. Mm-hmm. You know, have them come to your house. Have them, you know, give you the consultation. Have them give you a sign. Yeah. You don't have to sign up with them, but you have the sign. And you put the sign out in your yard. And just that alone will deter, you know, burglars. Because if they're driving down the street and they say this one's probably protected by some security system, I'm not going to have as much time to do whatever it is I want to do yeah. before people are alerted. But, you know, down the street a few houses, that one doesn't. Mm. Who are they going to pick? You know, and it's it's like simple things like that. You know, even a beware of dog sign, you know, kids toys outside, jungle gyms, anything that would alert somebody in the house that there's somebody on their lawn. Mm. Those are the kind of things that are going to deter people from coming to rob you. And it's the same concept to me when you have a school. If you have this gun free zone that's plastered in the front door, you know, and somebody's in there saying, I want to shoot up a school, that's going to be the target. Like, that's not, it's just, to me, it's common sense. And so, again, I think that, you know, Second Amendment right, I think, is something that we should absolutely not budge on because Mm -hmm. people have the right to defend themselves. People have the right to defend their family. You know, and again, part of the reopen New Hampshire rally, I brought my daughter with me. She's less than two years old, you know, but there were a lot of people there who were exercising in broad daylight. They were open carrying. And I'm going to be honest with you, as a parent, that made me feel better because <laughs> there's a lot of whack jobs out there. Yeah. And them seeing this huge group of, you know, 400 to 500 people all in this, you know, gathering for the reopen rally, that's getting a lot of hate. You know, somebody could easily drive by and just decide I'm going to shoot up this these people because, you know, they're horrible people and they're trying to kill people, you know, and then. But having those people there helped me feel better because it's, I, you know, if you just think about it, you say, okay, if somebody's going to come and try to shoot us and they see this amount of people that are armed and here, like, actively protecting this place, they're probably not going to decide against it, you yeah. know? And so just, like, things like that, it, it's common sense. You're not yeah. going to attack somebody who looks like they could attack you back, yeah. you know? Well, much less likely. Yeah, right. Unless exactly. you like that type of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So, Unless you're Liam Neeson, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do whatever I want, right? Yeah. Cool. So that's getting there about an hour. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll cut you free now. Um, so where can people get a hold of you, learn a little more, all that jazz? Yeah. So um, I have a Facebook page, and that's facebook.com slash Michelle number four state rep. 
Um, and that's kind of a great place. I post a lot of like, you know, endorsements or kind of some of the pledges and the vows that I take as somebody mm-hmm. who's running for, you know, state rep. It's also a great way to get a hold of me if you have any questions about where I stand on a certain issue. Um, you know, I try to respond to everybody. So that's a great platform. My website is also www.michelle4statrep.com. And that's where I'm collecting donations for my campaign, which as much as we all hate asking for money, it's incredibly crucial. So that's how we buy our signs. That's how we buy our mailers. That's how we do everything we need to do to win. And so if anybody's interested in a sign, definitely reach out to me. If anybody's, you know, just wants to help me, you know, turn everything all red, that helps too, you know, even if you're not in my district, you know, it all helps. So, um, you know, definitely feel free to go on there and donate please. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm always open to conversations and questions and, you know, my job is to represent the people. So I need to hear from them. Cool. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been fun. Yes, this has been so much fun. Thank you. (laughs) So again, thank you all for watching. Um, Definitely, if like we were saying earlier, I believe everyone is allowed to voice their opinion. Um, So definitely reach out if you want to support the campaign, do it. If you disagree, then have that conversation. That's perfectly fine. I think now, more than ever, we should be having these conversations because, like I said, I think there are certain platforms that don't have these conversations, and we're watching them melt down all over the country. So mm-hmm. we should probably reconsider right. <laughs> our points of view at some point. Exactly. So everyone be good, and we'll talk to you next time. Want more New Hampshire Business Show? Find us at iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and www.nhbusinessshow.com.